It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Uh, hey everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the College Chats podcast. Not only is this the last week of the college football season, this is also our 100th episode, um, something we could never imagine possible when we started out on our own back in early 2019. So this pod's going to be a little different to others as we've asked some of our really good friends um, to come and spend some time talking to us about the season in review and to look forward to the National Championship game in Indianapolis on Monday before we dive into that, we're the college chaps, and as usual, joined by Ollie and Alex. Chaps, how are you both, and how does it feel to be 100 episodes old? Uh, I actually feel today like I might actually be 100 years old, let alone 100 episodes old. That's that's how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm super excited for the, the national championship, though. This season's been... It's just been incredible. It's been a roller coaster of wildness. Everything that we love about college football, we managed to sneak it in under the radar. Well, it looked like COVID might threaten the end of it. It might end threaten the end of this pod at the moment. Uh, but <laughs> it's just been <laughs> it's been a, a wild ride, and looking forward to seeing what college football national championship brings us this Monday. Look, look. I don't usually come on here and pull receipts out. But last week, whilst everyone else was saying how close the Georgia-Michigan game was going to be, I turned around and said, Michigan is shit, Georgia are going to just tear them apart. And what, what happened? Georgia dominated them. So I am going to sit here now and in my little intro bit, I am going to accept all the plaudits and probably swear words that come from my co-hosts after calling that one dead fucking right. It's... um. It's not like Alex to lord over us when he gets something right, but given that it doesn't happen that often, <laughs> we will um, we will we will give him this one. To be fair, you have been particularly down in Michigan all year, and you had, you had a sweat on your brow when they got to the uh, the, the the semi-finals. Um, it, it, just to touch on the fact that Ollie isn't feeling particularly well, and um, neither is Alex, to be honest. So um, there is a real chance that by the time we get to the end of this marathon, that we we're, we're maybe one or two chaps short. Um, however, uh, our first guest um, uh, is a really good friend and supporter of ours. Um, he's, he doesn't need an introduction, but we'll give him one. He's from the hugely popular Saturday Night Down South and College Football and Censor podcast, as well as being seen quite regularly these days on the Paul Feinbaum show. Um, a lot smarter dressed than he is just now, but you won't see that. Um, when not doing any of that, he happily takes on any Twitter troll who comes near in the name of social media decency. So it's always great to welcome Chris Marler. Hi, Chris. How are you and how's life treating you over there in Atlanta? 
I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I, I knew that the Twitter things would get brought up because I was just fucking letting people have it today. I just, I, uh, it's Wednesday. We are five days from this game. But I say this to everyone. I've said this. I've said this since like day one. Like anybody can fucking get it. I don't care if it's POTUS. I don't care if it's my mom or if you if you come. If, like if I just I don't get some of college football fans, and I think part of me also subconsciously is like, man, we're not gonna be able to do this. The off season's gonna suck. I hate the off season, and and so it's just like the season always goes by so fast. Um, so I uh, I was probably extra salty today on Twitter, but regardless, it's good to join you guys again. You guys are my, my favorite pod. I say it every time, so it's good to be back. Oh, it is um, it is awesome to have you have you back on. Um, before we dive into our, our chosen topics, um, just to not to dwell on the Twitter thing, but you you do attract some very decent Twitter attention, don't you? It, now, I saw something. I think it was this Instagram last night. Tennessee fan sent you a package through the mail. So, okay, um, tell tell us about that, Chris. Uh, so, and I guess we're, we're far different mood that we can talk about it now, like comfortably, but, um, and, and well, and also like, I, you know, I'm very transparent on my social media. I always have been, um, and we've, we've been able to build this community of a following with SDS and with, with like the tr- uh, cultural and censored, um, podcasts, especially it's been surprising that like, it's kind of become like this little family of ours. Right. And so, um, my fiance, uh, she left me in July and broke off the engagement and it was hard as shit to deal with. And it was, I mean, you guys know, like I, I told, I told George, I'm like, I just didn't sleep much. It was awful. It was really tough to go through. I, I remember messaging George one time, like three 30 in the fucking morning. And I was like, Hey George, I'm wearing the sweatshirt. And he's like, go to bed. What is happening right now? Um, and so it was just a, uh, it's just, it was kind of tough. Right. Um, so the, the only tie to the person now is that we had these two adorable corgis and they were like our favorite thing. It was Chip Saban and Queso Corgavailoa. And we've had them, we had them for three years. And, and it was like, they were, they were like our little kids. So looking at corgis is tough for me to do. It just, it's just a tough thing. She took, she took everything. She took the house, the car, the most importantly, she took the dogs. And that's just, it just fucking sucks. Um, so that being said, I've like, I've been very clear to our community and our, our listeners like, Hey guys, don't send me corgi related shit. Like I, I know that ESPN has corgi races. I see the internet. I, they're fucking adorable. I get it. Please don't send me corgi stuff. And and brother man, I really, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I don't. He's listening to this podcast. So I'm just gonna say it. I don't think he was trolling me. I think he's, I think he's that dumb of a person. Like like in in a good way, right? Like like I, 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 that sounds awful, but like he's he's just this happy go lucky dumb Tennessee fan that was like, hey, I know Chris talks about corgis. I didn't listen to any of the substance of that sentence, but you know, I know he talks about corgis. Let's get him some corgi stuff. So this asshole sends me a Christmas gift and I open it up and I'm like, okay, no corgi stuff. I'm looking at it right now. There's a, there's a corgi blanket. There's a corgi, corgi gingerbread house. Right. And then, and then last but not least, um, he got me these, hold on. I think I have them behind me. Yep. Hold on. He gave me these corgi, these corgi pajama pants. And I mean, look how adorable these damn bo- these dogs are. I, I mean, I get it, but he sent me and I was like looking at him like, oh my God. And then the worst part was is those corgi pajama pants were fucking size double XL for women. And I just was so confused. I like it was it was such a, it was such a mind fuck. I didn't know what to do. And I'm like asking my friends, I'm like, is that is he trolling me or is he like 
is he like and, and everyone's like oh my god the thought that counts I'm like fuck that guy <laughs> it was awful, it was awful. <laughs> anyway yeah that was that was, that was not right, a story was like, all he all he needed to be honest that may, that may have set up did <laughs> me absolutely ended me <laughs> Yeah, oh. it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> so, so I, I, I'm assuming that was not the highlight of your year, Chris. So let, let's dive into the, no. the, the, the topics. Um, we're looking back at, at what has been quite a, an amazing year in football, and there's mm-hmm. been a lot of crazy nonsense that's happened, and there's been a lot of really great stuff. Um, so we're going to ask all of our guests um, what the what the highlight of their 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 season mm-hmm. was, and um, you're first up, so so you get the opportunity to to let us know what uh, what stuck out for you. Yeah, so, um, and for me, it's like, you know, like I said, I think um, I just was very, I'm just very transparent about some of that stuff. And I, and I know it makes people sometimes uncomfortable just because it's like, I mean, luckily not a lot of people have had to have a broken engagement. So it's like, it's not a breakup. So it's hard for people to kind of understand that. Um, the start of the season for me was awesome. Like it was, because, you know, college football for me has been my favorite thing since I was four years old. And and I've, I just, you look forward to the season and it's just so great and the pageantry of it all and like the fans and the passion and all that kind of shit. And we didn't get any of that in 2020. We got none of that, right? But, you know, technically we didn't get any of it in 2019 because LSU won the national championship, not Alabama. So I personally <coughs> am like two years removed from like feeling like I'm like a part of an actual season, right? Um, and I tell you what, just going through the season and experience that again with fans in person, it started out for me like, you know, and I'm, I'm a dramatic person anyway. I'm just like, just a shock to no one that follows me on social media. So, but I'm like, we start the year out in, in Atlanta and Bama's playing Miami and I got credentialed for the game, which is like, I just, that was a cool moment for me. Right. Like it, it was on my own. I got to, I got to go in there. And so that's how the season started. That was cool. Um, going throughout the season and experiencing all of this stuff, this different stuff with the fans, you know, I brought up the, the, the Twitter trolls, but I tell you what, man, the internet can be a terrible place. It can be a really terrible place. It can be awful to you. And Outside of one person, we set up this, this hotline for people to call after games when they're upset for fans, right? Only one person all year made fun of me about, about the, the incident with my, with my ex. And it was, and then and it ended up being kind of funny because he was so over the top and rude, we had to block him. And this asshole calls back the next week from a landline at a Planet Fitness at 1.30 in the morning six times. I was like, the dedication is incredible. And so that part was cool. Um, or that was a cool, but you know what I mean? But, but the, the whole experience of the fans and then it culminating for me in Atlanta in the SEC championship game in a year where it seemed like not a lot of things went right personally, that was one of the most fun times I had all year. And I just remember sitting there and, um, again, dramatic, emotional, I'm, I'm all the above. And they have this thing at the SEC championship game, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to make fun of myself for it. But at the end of it, they do this whole production where they do a montage of all the past champions in – in the um, TC, like from the SC championship game. And they set it to cold play fix you. And I remember telling somebody and I was like, this is what sucks. Like George is going to get to have the fucking cold play song. And I'm all bummed out about it. And to be there in that game in a game where I thought we'd lose by 14 points as a Bama fan. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, and, and like, I, I know that like, there's some people that probably, I don't know if they listen to this podcast that wouldn't understand it, but like some people think that that's kind of over the top to be like that invested into sports, but that's what fucking sports is, man. Like that's like, that's sports means so much to different people for so many different reasons. And for me in that moment, there's a few things better that happened to me in 2021 than that. And it was a really cool experience. 
And also I was 12 feet away from the Georgia sideline. So I got to watch their entire fucking will come out of their eyes throughout that third quarter. So that part was also cool. <laughs> That's what oh, it's all man. about. Seeing the, seeing the life drain from your rival's eyes. It was beautiful. <laughs> mm, so good. Yeah, I am. Uh, I even hit the net. Excuse me. Hit the nail on the head with the the passion element of it. That I think we we hammer this out on this podcast all the time. Yeah. I don't think people really fully understand the the passion and the pageantry and the pride and and everything that yeah. goes into college football. I don't I don't think there's anything like it in sports. You know, sports mm-hmm. as you alluded to, sports has the ability to create such incredible passion, but. I don't think there's a sport like college football that is that passionate, that invests so much passion. You know, outside of, outside of maybe the masters, I don't know. I don't know a pageantry either that's anywhere close to it where it's, where it's like the spectacle is almost the sport, right? Like where it's like, you you get there and it's this incredible feeling of everyone. Like I just, there's this whole feeling when you're going towards the stadium, even where everyone is invested in it's like, and listen, I'm a Bama fan, right? Like, um, and, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I, I, I wouldn't want to be friends with 95% of Bama fans in the world. I just, I, they, we would have nothing in common outside of Alabama football, but it's just, it's just when you're there, it's like, you're, you're, you're just so happy. And, 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 and the fact that we only get like 14 to 15 of these Saturdays a year is a fucking shame for one, but also it's like, that's what makes it so special. It's like, you just, you don't have, you know, the Braves just won the world series. Like I played baseball my whole life throughout college. Like, even then, I was like, God, this season's too long. This sucks. This is awful. Like, this is, but college football, just everything is so precious. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's just been, um, I don't want to quote Lord of the Rings, but yeah, it was, it's just a very precious uh, thing you got you to gotta keep control of and keep track of. Everything, everything is so precious in college football. Every single game, yeah. every single moment, which is why it takes like bowl seasons too long, really don't sit particularly comfortably well with me. What one of the things that I love about bowl season, personally, is the Saturday Down South edition of bowl matchups, your handiwork on Twitter that promotes bowl season. I love it. Um, What was the best bowl game that you watched this 2021 college football season, bowl season? One, I appreciate you saying that because I put a lot of hard work in that. It's always one of my favorites too. Um, and every year I fucking, I, ta- I taper off towards the end and I know it's coming. It doesn't matter how, how invested I get into it. I'm like, I'm going to lose steam. And also let me apologize. If you guys are hearing a bunch of noise upstairs, we got the, um, my living situation, the kids, we got the kids running around. Okay, cool. Um, but so, so for me, my favorite bowl game, God, that Rose Bowl was fun, huh? Like that Rose Bowl was great. I, I, I don't know if that would be my favorite one because Ohio State won and I hate Ohio State. So it's like. Up until that moment, it was pretty great. The Tennessee-Purdue game was awesome um, as well. I think it ended kind of poorly for Tennessee fans. But, you know, like, I'll, I'll say, honestly, I'll say Tennessee-Purdue was my favorite game because very rarely, up until that point, you'd had guys like Danny Cannell. I love I love DK. He's, he's a great dude. He gets so much shit for, for how he is on Twitter, but he's a great person, man. Um, and DK was kind of catching some flack because he was like, you know, this sucks. I, you know, we don't need this many bowl games. And I think we ended up getting like 35 or something. And, and my thing is like, fuck, man, if I'm going to wake up like on a Tuesday at 11 and central Michigan is playing 
Fresno State, like I'm in, like not even from a gambling standpoint, like I'm just like, I'm in to watch it. Like it's, you know, and, and, and then for me, you kind of sit here and think about, it's like everyone bitching about that in a week and a half, you're not going to have any of this. Like you're going to be begging to, to wake up and, and have football on of any fucking sort. Right. Um, and so I, for me, the Tennessee Purdue game was just so much fun uh, for a lot of reasons. It was an SEC versus Big Ten matchup. I know that, that SC, I hate the Big Ten. I just fucking despise the Big Ten for so much. I, I have to be a company guy and, and a, a little bit and push for the SEC. But if we're being honest, like, like I want every SEC team to lose as a Bama fan because it doesn't help my program, right? Um, but that's one of those things where you kind of get to beat your chest and talk, you know, talk about the, the SEC being dominant over the Big Ten and if they win that game. But it ends up being this like track meet towards the end. And, and it was one of those things that was so great about football because you had all the starters in. You had Hinton Hooker, you had Vilas Jones, and you had all the, I don't, you know, uh, Purdue's missing their top receiver, but you had like players not really opting out. You had people buying into year one of the hypo situation. And then you had Tom Hart and Jordan Rogers and Cole Kubik on the call, which is just like, I, we, we stand for them all the time. And Tom was like one of my really good friends living here in Atlanta, but they're just, there wasn't a more perfect setup for me. Like that was just like Tom Hart is it's a fucking riot, man. I was, there's a lot of stuff I can't say that he, he said to me after that game um, on here, but he was, it was just, it's just funny to watch those guys. It's like, it's like if you guys were if you guys were calling a game, it's like my friends, right? Like you're like your your friends are on TV. And it's just it it was a lot of fun to watch that kind of uh support. And, and I tell you what, when Tennessee is back, and again, this is something else that happened on Twitter on New Year's Day, Tennessee Twitter coming at me for something I didn't say. Um, when Tennessee's back, I'll regret everything nice I ever said about him. But right now it's so much fun to watch the hope and promise of that program kind of kind of like start to build up, you know. <laughs> Oh, these programs that play in orange and begin with T. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything about you guys missing multi-season, but I mean, and now you got AM who signs the best recruiting class of all time, which is horseshit. Yeah, but it's AM. Like... <laughs> oh, it's going to be a wild tax slayer gator bowl next year. Yeah. Anyway, let's That's talk great. about a game that uh, Texas A&M won't be seeing anytime soon, the national championship game. Georgia came in, and a lot of the talk before the, the semifinal was about this Michigan offensive line, this Michigan running yeah. game, and how dominant they'd been in the Big Ten, and how, coming into it, that Georgia had a good defense, a really good defense that's played really, really well all year, but were they going to be able to stop this Michigan rushing game? You know, they, they stopped it pretty emphatically, but you know, a few hours beforehand, we had seen the Alabama offensive line basically say to the Cincinnati defense, look, come on kids, you've been naughty. Let's go to the woodshed and fucking destroy you. Um, yeah, Saban calls what 10 runs to start the game. Um, Bill O'Brien calls 10 runs to start the game. We all know it's Saban who's fired up right now. I love this. Pulling, Keep talking about it. Pulling the uh, pulling the puppet strings. It's not actually Bill O'Brien because they're they're successful, so it can't be Bob. Um, but yeah, who wins this battle? This this all out big meat battle. Georgia's defensive line, Alabama's offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, the the key, the, the the battle that everyone who's a real football fan is waiting to see. 
Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fuck, man. I hope it's not Georgia. I'll start with that. Um, I do not <laughs> want to see Georgia win a national championship. I live in this state. I've lived here my whole fucking life. And I tell you what, I, they are a different breed of fans. And, and they have, I said that for most, and I don't even mean that in a negative way. I just mean that, like, thank God the Braves won the World Series because they they have just been like pining for any sort of success like that and getting their hearts ripped out, man. Like, like as much shit as I give Georgia fans, God, like, you know, I, I, I when the kick six is on, I don't watch it, right? Um, I'm, a, I'm a big Red Sox fan, which I know people are going to be like, this goes with Benefit, Red Sox, I'm a douchebag. Sure. That, I'm probably a douchebag for several other reasons, not just my fandom. So like, but like watching... <laughs> Watching, I remember like, you know, 2003 when the Red Sox lost to the Yankees with Aaron Boone's home run to this day, my dad won't watch that. Like he'll, he'll walk out of the room. He'll turn it off, whatever. Georgia fans have had to deal with that kind of shit on so many levels. Like they had to deal with the, the 2012 SEC championship with Aaron Murray and in the second 26 and all of these different moments that were like, like as a Bama fan, you don't have a lot of, oh my God, remember that amazing comeback? Remember that like last second victory we had? You don't have that. Like you beat teams by 40 and it's just it's fucking, it's joyless murder ball, like they always say, right? And I'm not saying to be arrogant, it's just kind of the nature of where this program has become under Nick Saban. And, and I, I, I thought Georgia was going to win round one. Um, everything in my body is telling me to pick Georgia now because Georgia is, they're a really good football team. And, and I think one of my buddies, uh, I don't know if you guys have had him on here before, he's a fan of yours as well, Chris Gordy. Um, he's out of Houston and, and covers LSU and uh, LSU football. And then also the, like Houston sports teams. He brought up the fact, he's like, you know, Bama was kind of mediocre throughout the season. at a lot of times that offensive line was pretty bad. Uh, he, <laughs> I think his exact record, he's like that, that offensive line was a liability at times. Like that offensive line was a liability the entire fucking year. It, it was, it was fresh. The, the Auburn game, you have seven sacks, LSU six, all that kind of shit. Um, going into a year where you have like Bama could have been eight and four, like flat out. They, they could have been eight and four. I don't think they would have, but you look at some of those games. Like, I don't think we beat Florida. If Florida doesn't miss an extra point. I don't LSU had several thousand times to beat us. Even with this hat on, I'm wearing um, Auburn, you know, we, it was Auburn had us third and 10 on the three yard line. Looking at that, it's hard for me to think that like this Bama team can do this to him twice. And now you have John Mechie out and you possibly have two offensive linemen out and you have, Somebody secondary out. So you're talking about four to five starters out just from December, right? Um, it's it, you know I think I think it's they've had a top five top five teams have played each other twice in a season. 
the team that lost the first game has won all four of the other times this has happened in history. None of this adds up for Bama. It just doesn't. That being said, I'm like, I'll tell you what Kristen Saban told me um, on December 3rd or whatever that was in Atlanta. And it's, she's one of my best friends and, and, and we, we joke around a lot, but I just like everyone else, I thought Georgia was going to win that game by 14 points. Okay. I'm sitting there on the sidelines, like behind, I'm, I'm not on the field. I'm behind on the sidelines drinking in the clubs, club area, whatever. And, so I text Kristen after the game and I'm just cloud nine, right? Cold place playing. I don't know if I told you guys about the cold play thing. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I, I'm just, I'm like cloud nine, right? And, and so, so she comes over and I'm like, hey, get me on the field. Get me on the field. And she's like, so she comes walking over and, and she looks dead at me. And she goes, she's like, how awesome is that? It gives me a big old hug. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And she goes, don't ever doubt my dad again. You're staying over here. And then fucking walks off. And I was like, what a savage. Like one of my closest friends. And so... <laughs> I'm not going to doubt saving, man. I'm not. I, every part of me, every part of me thinks that Georgia should win this game. It's a, there's so many mismatches. They're they're getting healthier. Like when is the time? When's the last time you could say that about a team going into the last game of the season? They're getting healthier. George Pickens is, is getting healthier. The tight end situation, you know, has become like a just you know a, a flex beyond flexes at this point with with Brock Bowers and you still have Darnell Washington and that offensive line and watching what they did to Hutchinson and all that kind of stuff. I, I you know it's it's a really incredible team and I. I, I tell you what, they if they don't do it now, I don't know when they will. I really don't. Um, because this, this is the this is the year you want Bama if you're if you're Georgia. But I'm just gonna sit here and think that with like you know, I said going in the SC championship game, if you can make Georgia be in a position that they haven't been in all year, but they have been in, in the past, like mentally, make sure they're trailing at the half. You know what I mean? And then and then just and then and then like and then hopefully Kirby will start doing Kirby things. And that's what happened. So I, I'm going to say Saban is going to somehow, some way, he knows a lot about more about football than I do. Um, I, I think Georgia probably is winning at the half, I hope. And I and just to be perfectly clear, especially after today's Twitter, I hope we rip their fucking heart out again. I hope we I hope we beat them in the most dramatic fashion possible. And I hope the state, I hope the state is quiet as as a church mouse uh, come come Tuesday morning. So um, I'm going to say Bama wins. I'm going to say Bama wins 31 to 30. On a, on a missed Georgia walk-off field goal, obviously. Miss, a missed field goal would be, I tell you what, man, if, if, it would be, honestly, I think they should start Paul, Paul I was going to say Paul Walker, but he's, that's not the same person. Paul Tyson. Um, they should, if they started Paul Walker, that would be a move. Paul Tyson coming in for Bama. To start, so Bryce is the backup. That would be the move. I think that's the move you, you come up with and, and just rip their hearts out. So <laughs> you're not making any new friends, Chris. Um, <laughs> we got. I got a friend. <laughs> yes, have we got? Uh, I tell you that that um, that meeting with um, uh, Kirsten sounds very much like a scene from The Godfather. So um, uh, I'm not sure how that ends um, nicely. Um, Hey, thanks, Chris. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah. But before you go, uh, this is the point in the podcast when we always ask our guests what they're up to and what we can watch out for. Um, slightly different. How are you going to watch the game? Where are you going to watch the game? And um, how are you going to feel about watching a game? Emotionally, pretty bad. Uh, it's it, I am not fun to be around for these. So, so I'm actually, I'm going to turn down going to Indy. I'm not going to Indy. I've decided that last night. Um, but... I'm going to st- I'm going to probably stay here at the house and and kind of take it all in and just see what happens. Uh, I might go watch it at my buddy Jeff's house. He's he's a uh, he's more accustomed to being through these games with me. So he also has a newborn though. So I don't know how quiet I'll be in that game. 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to try my best to like to kind of be in the moment for it just because it is the end of the season. It's been a tumultuous year. It's been a, it's been a crazy, it's like, it's really has been a great year of football though. Right. Like just this year more than any, there's been so many good games. And so I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to watch it and I'm, I'm going to pace frantically. I'll, I'll tell you this before I take up any more of y'all's time um, is the, the iron bowl. So like the, the living situation I'm, I joke around about all the time on my social media, my host family, I, I just, when everything happened, you know, like I said, uh, my ex took everything. So I kind of was left with nothing and I had to, I'm living at my friend's house in their basement and it's this beautiful home. And they just kind of had to help me pick up the pieces. Right. And it's, it didn't like, I'm not saying that to be, that is not something I'm saying to be dramatic or emotional. It's just that that's just the situation I'm in and they're the best people. They're great. They love football, but they have these two little kids, right? These two little kids are under the age of six. They're six and four. And, and so they always like, you know, uncle Chris is down in the basement watching football. Uncle Chris is working and all this other stuff. I didn't realize this. So they had their whole family here for Thanksgiving and the Bama Auburn game was two days later on Saturday. Right. I'm in the basement. Nobody wants to watch the game with me at all. No, like everyone's like, fuck that. We're not doing this. This guy's crazy. So I, I come up, I like begged them to come down and watch the overtime game. So the two girls come down here. They're like six and four. Like, why is he, why is he pacing? Why is he so sweaty? Why is he drinking? Like, like all of these things. Right. Rich comes down, he's watching with me. We score. And I'm like, yes, yes. Like, you know, high five and whatever. And I walk upstairs and Rich's dad, who's in town for, for Thanksgiving, looks at me and he goes, hey, happy for you. And, and I've known him for 15 years because we played baseball together in college, right? So I've, I've known Mr. Janowski for a long time. And he looks at me and he goes, just so you know, there's no carpet on any of these floors. It's all hardwoods. We heard everything you said for four hours. And I was like, oh, God, it was awful. It was awful. They learned so many new words. They learned so many new words. So, yeah, I'll probably be relegated to the basement to watch it by myself, but it, it'll be fine and probably the best for everyone and their morals. So there you go. We'll be, we'll be thinking of you when the game uh, game's underway, Chris. Listen, it's always uh, marvellous to have you on. Uh, it's a lot of entertainment, yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, great to see you again, and um, uh, we hope to see you soon. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I, you know, big fan of y'all's show. We'll have you on our show at some point in the new year, but um, just really proud of all y'all's success, man. Congrats on 100 episodes, and who's, who's, who's on after me, real quick? Because you guys always fucking do this, where it's like, Hey, Chris, you want to come on? And it's like, you're following Debo or you're following Laura Rutledge. That one time I was following actual Vern Lundquist. I was like, what are y'all doing to me, right? This is crazy. But who, so who are the other guests real quick? Um, so uh, up up shortly is um, Melo from the old stick to football crowd, you know, um, Matt Miller's brother. Um, okay. And then, and then and Laura's coming on later. So, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, nothing but success to y'all in 2022. Love all you guys. Hope you have a great year. And, um, and let's get you guys down to a game next year, too. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All Thanks, right, guys. Cross. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank You're you a great again. guy. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Thank Cheers. You our next guest needs no introduction, as he's appeared with the chaps more than anybody else in our 100 episodes. Um, you know him from the hugely popular Stick to Football um, uh, podcast, uh, and now his excellent Mic'd Up uh, podcast. Um, it's always a pleasure to welcome Melo. Hi, Melo. How's life treating you over there in Joplin, Missouri? It's not too bad right now. I, I get to talk to you guys again for, I don't even know how many times I've been on them. Hey, 100th episode. I, I feel like I've covered a, a nice little fraction of those things. So it's always great to be uh, part of the Chaps podcast. I think you've covered at least five percent of the uh, podcast, which is a which is a reasonable. If you were getting some sort of royalties, that that would get you about five pence or something. But um, you know, it's a reasonable stake in, 
And the, and That's the what I'm counting on, George. I, I mean, as soon as you guys start, you know, getting out some royalties, I, I want my 5% off this deal. That's what I'm here for. I'd like, my, I'd like my 5% to be honest. <laughs> let's, not, let's not start talking about that. You see Alex's face change at that point. Um, I'd like on... to get my money back on the cost of hosting this podcast if, if I could. I thought you were going to ask for the cost of that wig back. And it's like, well, that was not money well spent at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, we're, we're here to... Um, have a little look back at the season, which is just about to end, Mel, and then obviously we'll start to talk about the national championship game. But to kick this off, uh, what, what what was your highlight of the year? What was it that stuck out for you or, or you enjoyed most from the, the season that's just gone by? For me, it's the, the stadium's back full of fans. I thought it was absolutely fantastic to see that after last year, you know, watching games at Michigan and there's no fans in the stands. And it was cool, and I'm understanding of why there weren't, but it was something – it was really cool to see the energy that the fans bring to the game. You never knew how important it was until it was gone. So to have that and that little sense of normalcy as we still muscle through this pandemic, that I love that. I love seeing a packed big house. Hopefully everybody was happy and healthy from it. But I did think that was a, a highlight for me, a little bit of a return to normalcy, like I said. And, you know, for the most part, we had a pretty good college football season altogether. Uh, you know, Alabama lost there. There was some excitement at the middle of the season. Like, oh, what if they don't get in? Georgia looked very good. We had, uh, you know, a, a lot of changes to the college football playoff, too, with teams that were in there. It wasn't as simple as, oh, Clemson and Ohio State are going to be in with Alabama and Georgia. So I thought parity uh, within the playoff system is good. Uh, I love that Cincinnati was in there. And, of course, like I said, the packed stadiums. I love it. I think it's a huge part of college football, and I love to see that return. Yeah, certainly it was a wild year. I, I was watching the Tennessee-Purdue game and it came mm-hmm. up that Purdue had beaten two top five teams for the first time since the mid-60s, I think. And I was like, really? They beat two top five teams? And I looked back and they'd beaten Michigan State and Penn State, I think it was, who were both ranked in the <clears> top five at the time. And I was like, damn, the, this year has felt wilder than... Uh-huh. Some of the years before, I think, and that I agree has has made it a really fun season to uh, to follow. Something we love, and I love it especially. I love bowl season because I love being able to wake up on that period between Christmas and New Year, and especially over here because the games start at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. So you just flick the TV on, and there's random football on on a Tuesday afternoon. It's fantastic. The best thing, but Mello, what was your favorite bowl game? And don't say the Gator Bowl just because Texas AM lost. No, I won't go there. Uh, to me, I almost every year is the Rose Bowl. I am one of those guys that's just a sucker for the Rose Bowl and uh, you know, seeing the sunset and everything. They know what they're doing out there, but also it was a fantastic football game, too. So, I mean, usually you're just going to say the Rose Bowl because how pretty it is. Uh, and, you know, obviously the Rose Bowl and the history there, too. But the game was really good. And even watching it, you know, Utah got up on Ohio State and it kind of felt like, OK, Ohio State doesn't really want to be here. They're going to get rolled by Utah. And then they fought back in it. And it was a very exciting. Uh, I love defensive football. But when you get these high scoring games, when it's like uh, 28 to 21 going into halftime or something like that, it, it is fun to watch in the high scoring stuff. It definitely delivered. And for me, like I said, the Rose Bowl is just, it feels special. It feels different. 
And it's really cool that they get that experience with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 still. So for me, it was the Rose Bowl. But you're right. There's so many good ones. And then just being able to wake up and, you know, on a random day, turn on the TV and there's college football on. That's fantastic. I, I really I don't care who's playing. Uh, I'll tune in. And will I be super focused on it all the time? No. But, uh, you know, I love to watch like a Central Michigan play on a Friday. I think that was before the college football playoff games really got you going. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good college football players out there that aren't on great teams. And maybe with the transfer portal, we'll start to see more of them land in the big spots. But I, I love all the bowl games. I, I think that it's a perfect number. I don't think we need to get rid of any of them or anything like that. I know there's a lot of college football analysts out there that think there are too many or people don't love football anymore. I I sign me up for 10 more. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think your your point on the transfer portal was interesting, uh, especially when someone as high profile as Caleb Williams, you know, in the transfer portal yeah. officially today. And, um, you know, for a small program like Oklahoma to be losing out like that, it's a bit of blow. <laughs> yeah, you hate to see it with the small schools that they lose these star players like in Oklahoma. You know, it seems like every year. <laughs> it I had is to go nice, off script. I had to go off script <laughs> and throw that in, George. I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. You, you, you are forgiven. But, but the, the, it is a changing landscape, college football, Melo, and we've probably seen that more this year than we've seen before, right? We've seen, you know, Alex has kindly dressed up as Quinn Ewers, who's, who's now jumped about all over the place, but Caleb Williams is another good example of a, a player who's now going to move to uh, wherever he's going to move to to, to, to enhance his, um, his NFL right. career, not, not his college career. Yeah, and I was talking with a buddy of mine earlier today about Caleb Williams, and I'm right here. I'm, I'm pretty close to Oklahoma. I live in Missouri, but talking to him about Caleb Williams. And I think the crazy thing is this stuff has happened before in recruiting. Now we just all get to hear about it. You know, we get to hear that Ole Miss is sitting there with a, you know, like a million dollar package that they're willing to give him. That's not changed. That's not new stuff. Now we just get to talk about it openly. You know, I can remember when Cam Newton was getting recruited and uh, I believe they took the money and cashed the checks that Mississippi had written. And then we're like, no, we're not going to go there. And Mississippi State couldn't do anything about it. You can't turn yourself in and be like, hey, we paid you $100,000 to come here. You have to come here. Now, I think it's actually probably better for some of these universities to look at it and say, hey, wait a second. We had a name image likeness deal. You, you got to come to the school. So it's almost uh, as much as everybody hates it, all these coaches hate it. It's kind of saving them some money and saving them some time. And now you can just be open and honest. And is it free agency? Yeah, but it was going to turn into that anyway with the transfer portal. And I do, I like it. It's chaos. It's like the wild west of college football. You never know where it's going to go. You know, if the college football playoff is going to expand, if you're going to lose your star quarterback, it's, it's chaos, but it's beautiful. We do know, <coughs> excuse me. We do know where the star quarterback is going to go, because as we all know, you follow the girlfriend trail, right? So yes, I love that one. The transfer portal, just follow the girlfriend trail, which by my reckoning would mean that Caleb Williams is going to UNC, right? Is that the one? I actually, I meant to look at it earlier because I've seen this trend too. Uh, I didn't know where his girlfriend was at, but it, it's the girlfriend trend is undefeated. You find out where she plays volleyball or softball at and the boyfriends have been following there. And we've got, we've got a resident volleyball expert, really. We could be exactly. Like, we can make our own version of the 24-7 crystal ball right here. We just get 
Alex to say, oh, well, this player's girlfriend goes to this university, plays volleyball there. We, I think we're quitting zero. I think we've got a new recruiting site starting. Yeah, if these boosters were smart, they'd start, you know, going after the girlfriends and be like, hey, we have a scholarship for you here. And here's $100,000. You come play volleyball at our school. Now you're getting the quarterback at a discounted rate. So, I mean, really, like, like I said, the wild, wild west, you got to find out ways to attract these guys to your school. Maybe that's it. Business is business. Um, let's get down to the business of the College Football National Championship because it's coming up rapidly Monday night, well, Tuesday morning for us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He's been much more on this season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Easy for me to say. He's been much more on this season. Can Setson Bennett lead Georgia to a, a college football national championship? We saw how the offense struggled against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Do they have what it takes to overcome that, um, that game and, and bounce back and, and land the first national championship in Georgia since 1980? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of almost like a trick question because can Stetson Bennett lead them to a national championship? I don't think he can lead them to a national championship, but he can be the quarterback of a national championship team. Uh, I don't think that he's going to do anything special. I don't think that he's going to be the guy out there who's like holding up the trophy at the end of it. Uh, But I do think that Georgia can win this game. I know they got their butt kicked uh, the first time around, but the the betting odds are even in their favor. I think they're a three-point favorite. Last time I checked, and yeah. um, I don't know if I believe in it. Like it could happen. I don't expect it to, though. I, I think Alabama's just too good. And with Stetson Bennett, I think it, it, you almost kind of take the ball out of his hands. You find a big freshman tight end that you have for short passes and let him take it long, or you know, we'll see if George Pickens is involved. And also just getting the ball to those running backs. I mean, he is the ultimate Stetson Bennett is the ultimate game manager of you just you don't want him making a lot of plays. Just go out there and don't lose the game for us. I thought it was interesting today. So myself and George both jumped in on the um, the Georgia press conference. And I can't remember if it was Dan Lanning or Todd Munkin was talking about Stetson Bennett. And and they kind of recoiled a little bit about some of the, the questions with regards to, well, should they maybe have brought in JT Daniels earlier in the season to see what they had with him? Should they have kept Stetson Bennett? And they were like, look, guys, we were so good on defense that we didn't need our court to find out whether our quarterback could throw the ball downfield a bunch of times to win us a game. Um, yeah. And they almost to the point of saying that it was unfair on Stetson Bennett that people had this perception of him. Um, and, and obviously you just alluded to it there. Can, can he lead them to it? Well, we're not asking him to lead them to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, I think they're right too. Like, he, he doesn't have to lead them and you know with Stetson Bennett he does get a little bit of a hard time people will you know throw out that he's only like 5'11 190 pounds he was a walk-on and they have JT Daniels and all this stuff Um, I don't care who you are like it's tough to play quarterback at Georgia and be successful and hold that job down I mean he is fighting off guys that were like four or five stars and he won the job and he's been the best quarterback there and I think it just goes to show maybe more so about the other quarterbacks than even it does 
Stetson Bennett. I still think he's a good player. I don't want to sound like I'm you know, crapping on him or saying like he's terrible and they won't win with him. Uh, but it is, it's, I mean, he's the quarterback of a national championship team and we saw Jake Fromm do it. So I think Stetson Bennett can too. I suppose um, they've managed to, after the Michigan game, they've managed to quieten the noise because for the whole season, Kirby Smart's been faced with questions about, well, should it be JT Daniels' turn? Should he come in? Um, of course, he was injured for part of the season, so it wasn't. But as soon as he became fit again, it was back to, well, when's JT Daniels going to get a shot? So that, that noise has gone very quiet. But just to your point, Melo, if you get to a situation where, let's be honest, Alabama found themselves in four years ago where their quarterback is struggling and you've got a five-star on the bench, does Kirby Smart push the panic button and bring JT Daniels in? But of course, the problem with that is that JT, I can't remember the last time that JT Daniels threw a ball in anger. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe if they do get down big at halftime or the offense isn't moving the ball, maybe you do have to get aggressive and say, okay, we're going to go all out, boom or bust. And, you know, maybe we lose with JT Daniels, but we're already losing. So let's take a shot and see what he can do. Maybe that does happen. But I, I mean, you're right. I can't remember the last time. He was in a game. And I, I think with football coaches or maybe just football guys in general, they're so wired to like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If we're winning games and he's playing okay football, we're fine with that because we're winning games. We're not going to take a chance on bringing in a guy like JT Daniels or you know, the other freshman quarterback that they have. They're just going to ride it out until, uh, you know, he messes up or he's not done it so far. So I think they probably ride with him the whole game. And even if they get down big, uh, I think they'd probably still stick with Stetson Bennett uh, for better or worse. I think that that's their guy. So that, that leads us nicely to um, your national championship prediction, Melo. You've kind of guided us in a particular direction, but let's um, let's uh, hear it out loud. What um, what's the who's the winner and what's the final score? I think I've just maybe have been doing this too long now that it's it's almost sounds stupid to bet against Nick Saban. Just to be honest, I mean they're in it all the time. They have such a great team here. Uh, you know, even it used to be you'd look at that defense and their running game. I mean, look at how they played against Cincinnati. That's what it was. It's the defense and it was the running game. So you know they can still do that. But they also still have the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. And I just – I see that play and I, I have to go with Alabama. I love the Georgia defense, but I've seen Alabama score points on it before. So I'm going with Alabama. And what is crazy, it's going to be an upset because the betting odds are in favor of Georgia – but I'm going with Alabama. I do think they're able to put up some points. I'm going to go score prediction. Let's go like 34-27 Alabama. I, I'm very in a very similar mind to you. I don't think Georgia have played an, a team, obviously outside of the SEC championship game, with a quarterback like Bryce Young all year. Even Michigan. Right. You know, that, you're not you're looking at the guys they had under center there and you're not putting them in the top 10 quarterbacks in the nation and you look you look down Georgia's schedule they haven't had to face a great quarterback apart from when Bryce Young and company blew them away in that SEC championship right yeah and I you think you make a great point too I don't because you do you look at their schedule yeah even in week one it's like oh my god they beat Clemson well, Clemson had a kind of a down year for them. And then the rest of that SEC schedule that they faced, 
it's not a tough SEC schedule. It's, you know, it's not the kind of schedule that Michigan is facing when they're playing, you know, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. It's, it's actually kind of easy when you look back at it. I'm not trying to take anything away from Georgia. I, I think they can still be very good. They deserve their spot to be there. But it's not that, like, typical hard SEC schedule that they had this year. So, I don't know. And it is, for me, it's just – it's so hard to bet against Nick Saban. And I, I feel like even if I do come out and I say something negative about Nick Saban, he's going to find it. Even though I'm, like, so low on the totem pole, he's finding every bit of what he calls rat poison. He's hanging it up there on the bulletin boards. And Alabama will come out for this game thinking they're the underdog, knowing they're the underdog. And that just puts that chip on their shoulder. And it's, it's scary what they're able to do and how well Nick Saban's able to get these guys ready for every game, but especially for the big games. Excuse me. That's a great point. We talked about this earlier in the week about the whole underdog thing with Alabama and like the bet of the odds makers making Georgia a three point favorite, like you alluded to. It's almost like it, somehow fuels them, you know, they're, they're, they're a great team as it is. But that underdog tag seems to fuel them even more. And, and George commented on, on the early <clears throat> early week press conferences, the Alabama team seem buoyed and ready to go. And the, it's the Georgia team that look kind of almost defeated already somehow. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I'm surprised that Kirby Smart doesn't lean into this as well as Nick Saban does. I think that's, you know, one thing these assistants should be taking from him. Nick Saban will find anything to motivate you. If you come in and you're a little bit of an underdog, he's going to bring out the fact that everyone's doubting you. Nobody believes in you. But if, you know, Alabama were the three-point favorite, he'd be going in the locker room and being like, don't listen to that. (laughs) You can't believe what these guys are saying about you. We played like crap the last week. You know, we only held Cincinnati or Cincinnati held us to 24 points or whatever it was. We're not that good. We're not hitting on all cylinders. It's crazy. I mean, he's really doing some, you know, psychology research back there and finding ways to motivate these guys. And I'm surprised that, you know, Jimbo Fishers of the world, Kirby Smart, and none of them seem to be able to do it as well as Nick Saban does. That's where he's the master, right? And that's why he's won so many titles as he has, because if you watched them all season, well, that first half, maybe that first three quarters of the season, he was on the backs of the players telling them that they weren't motivated, they weren't focused, they weren't, you know, um, you know the Julio Billingsley, you know, a whole episode yeah. just was, he was on the back of the team all the way through. And then it, it really took them to, well, I mean, I think in his press conference, he said Texas A&M game was the one that gave them the kick up the backside. But, but actually, probably the Auburn game was the point where he said, that was where I saw the team turn its focus and it was really locked on and of course what he's got now is the momentum going through these games whereas there'll be smart loss momentum in the SEC championship game um, I think it comes down to who's going to put pressure on the quarterback because neither of these quarterbacks like any quarterback does well when they're under pressure so if the uh, you know, Obama defence gives Stetson Bennett a hard time uh, but equally as we've seen before if you can get Bryce Young on his backside then that Alabama offence um, stops um, listen, Mel, before we let you go, um, this is normally the, the time in the programme where we, we ask people what they're working on, what, what they've got to look forward to. But because we've got the, the game coming up, where are, where are you going to be to watch the game and um, who are you going to watch it with and uh, how are you going to feel watching it? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't have any plans yet for the big game. I, I'm sure that I'll, I'll probably be out and about in a local establishment here. It's always good to be out and be social. 
Uh, so I'll probably just do that. And I, I mean, I love watching the college football national championship. It's weird because I, I don't care who wins this game, but it's going to be crazy because I know as soon as it kicks off, I'm going to find myself rooting very heavily for one team. I don't even know who it is yet, but it usually it takes, you know, one play and I'm up and I'm cheering. And then I realize, Oh my God, I'm going for Georgia or uh, watching you know, the, the playoff games. Uh, I was at a hot wings place here in Joplin and I had no idea. Like I, I figured I wanted Cincinnati to beat Alabama and then Cincinnati did something big. I had a nice stop or a big play. I don't remember. And I'm up out of my chair. Like I'm a Cincinnati fan. So that'll probably be me, uh, you know, get a couple beers in me. And then I've turned into the biggest Alabama or Georgia fan that there is, but I, I don't know. I'll definitely be on Twitter though, reacting to everything that's going on. I think, I think Ollie was inviting you to Matlock to watch the big game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll start uh, looking at flights and we'll see what happens. I'm not sure if he's a thriving college football drinking culture in Matlock, <laughs> to be honest with you, but we could find a place. Yeah. The, big, the first problem Melo's got is he's looking for the airport in Matlock. Perhaps he might not find <laughs> it. Some way away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, thanks, Melo. It's awesome having you on. Um, uh, it's great to uh, chat to you and um, uh, enjoy the game on Monday. And um, we look forward to to speaking to you again uh, in, the, in, in the new season. Yeah, I appreciate you guys, as always, letting me come on here and talk football with you. Thanks, Melo. Our final guest is the hardest working women in sports. And as much as we say this every time, I remain amazed that we get any time to speak speak with our host of ESPN's NFL Live, SEC Nation, as well as sideline reporter for NFL in college, an Alabama insider, sidekick to Feinbaum, mom to the best game predictor in the world, but yet all of this despite having the tiniest hands. It's awesome to talk to Laura Rutledge. Hi, Laura. How are you? So good. I'm great. It's great to be with you guys. Um, yeah, thanks for the shout out with the tiny hands. I, I, I'm actually carrying those small hands around in my bag everywhere I go now because you never know when they'll come in handy. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if we can cope with that type of humor at this time of the evening. Um, <laughs> I, I feel as if this might be your signature piece now that everywhere you go, you have to produce the tiny hands. Yeah, it's it's a thing now. It's really funny because my brother Dave uh, got them for me for Christmas and and he probably knows me better than anybody. And so the fact that he knew I would get that much enjoyment out of them really makes them that much better of a gift. So um, they've gotten a, a they've gotten good use so far. <laughs> I have to just... say, I have to say every, everyone got into the spirit of it, but Paul seemed a little bemused by what the what the point of them was. He's so overwhelmed by them. And it's it's easy to overwhelm Paul, as you guys have maybe figured out. Um, it, it's not easy to totally derail him, which those tiny hands did. He, he was not right for, I, I would say, about 24 hours in the way tiny hands. Um, and still still doesn't know how to properly use them, if, if I may. <laughs> One of the more entertaining pieces was you trying to demonstrate how he used the tiny hands. But let's let's move on from the tiny hands. Um, uh, but as I uh, discussed in the introduction, you are working ridiculously hard um, these days. Uh, uh, there was a very interesting clip on Instagram, which you're prone to, to do, which showed um, really 
a shortened version of a, a day in the life of Laura Rutledge, um, which is crazy, right? So talk us through um, what a day, a game day looks like for you. Yeah, uh, you know, it was interesting covering the college football playoff semifinal and being at the Cotton Bowl because I was hosting SEC Nation, reporting on Alabama all week long for a variety of ESPN shows, and then also being the game reporter. So those three roles are doable by one person, but you are going to rack up your steps and you are going to be running around the stadium like a crazy person, which was me. Um, So that day, you know, early wake up, 5 a.m., go in, um, immediately do college game day. We then did a few other reports for SportsCenter and some other shows, uh, then running to put the finishing touches on SEC Nation and then going to start that show, did that show for a couple hours, then went to interview Nick Saban, his arrival interview, then was late trying to get back up to the SEC Nation set for the second show. So Paul Feinbaum actually had to start the hosting uh, for that show until I could run onto the set because trying to navigate the crowds and get all the way from down on the field up to the concourse was a madhouse because the place was packed. Um, did that show and then left that show early to get down to the field in time to report on the game. Did the pre-kick interview and the game reporting and all of that. And then the second that the post-game interviews were done with Coach Saban, ran back up to the set to uh, finish everything off and and finish the day. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that um, – Going into it, you sort of think, how is this even going to be possible? But I think for me, and and you guys know this, you know, having covered these teams so closely all season long, it's almost like I, I do know them so well. So I can pull from a variety of experiences and stories and things all the way back, you know, months ago that all of a sudden apply again. I think that's the only saving grace because otherwise there's no way to keep it organized in your head or even like on a piece of paper (laughs) because you're running around so much, can't even keep track of where anything is. Uh, The one thing that, you know, you referenced that clip, George, and the one thing that people were really concerned about people who know my affinity for food is when I ate, which, which that was the, that was the one thing I felt that was missing from the day. I, I did have a a peanut butter jelly sandwich at halftime of the game, but that just wasn't quite enough. So by the end of it, I was, I was quite famished. <laughs> they, they clearly look after you by giving you a peanut pellet, um, butter yeah. jelly sandwich at halftime. <laughs> that was very kind of them. They couldn't give you something a bit more substantial than that. It's a lavish life I live, guys. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have thought ESPN would have taken uh, taken better care of you. See, you obviously got the wrong bowl game because we were seeing pictures of the Dukes, the Dukes Mayo Bowl, and they had oh. a waffle, they had a waffle stand with fruit and loads of different toppings. So, you know, you obviously picked the wrong one. Is, they also, I ran into Mike Golick Jr. today. You guys probably saw him eating a variety of food items and dipping it in mayonnaise. And I I said, dude, was it really good? Like, was it really okay? And he's like, you know what? It wasn't great. But the reality is it was also not terrible, which I I thought that was interesting. Like, it wasn't great, but it also 
wasn't that bad. Um, he said the most normal one was actually on brand here so far. The, the peanut butter jelly sandwich dipped in the mayo was the most normal thing, which sounds terrible to me. But um, how about Shane Beamer getting whacked in the head by the mayo vat and like getting concussed and then covered in mayo? It, it, it feels to me feels to me as if they have to do that entirely differently next year. There was just something incorrect about that. Uh, the other thing was uh, I, I like the fact that Mike Golick Jr. seems to upset the whole of Australia with um, with his, um, his 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 mayonnaise antics, which clearly didn't go down well in Australia. Yes, he, yes um, he said that. He said people have been very upset with him and, and that it, it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. It's one of those things that just keeps going viral. And so it, it, it's going to keep rearing its ugly head. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Amazing. Amazing. I love bowl season. It's just. So fun, right? So college football. But outside of bowl season, what was your highlight of this season? Yeah, it's almost over. We've got one more game to go, but what's been the best thing this year? Yeah, you know, I think for me, um, a, a general highlight would be just being back with the fans again, because you guys know, I mean, we talked last season and it was just, it was so dull in a lot of ways and kind of depressing to to try and see this game in a way that we'd never seen it before. And obviously things are still complicated and we're still dealing with a variety of restrictions, but to be able to be amongst the fans again, and that, that's always been something that's really important to me. And actually it's how George and I met. Uh, you know, is, is interacting with fans that are out there at the SEC Nation set. And to be able to see them and talk to them again and check in on them and a lot of the same people show up again and again. And I remember them and, and want to visit with them. And so that was an overall highlight. I think for, when it comes to a game, uh, my favorite game was actually the SEC championship game because and no offense to Georgia, I absolutely think they can win the national championship, but it, it was just so interesting to see um, the energy and the vibe going into it in this Alabama team that had just struggled in the Iron Bowl, but yet it was such a turning point for them being able to win that game in overtime on the road and um, you know, for them to go from that to dominating the number one team in the country and the sort of sly smile that coach Saban had leading up to all of it was, was fascinating for a variety of reasons. So that, that would be another highlight for me. Hey. <coughs> Poor Ollie. <laughs> okay. I thought we were going to have a long, prolonged coffee out there. Instead. So the SEC championship game, the Cotton Bowl, you were there, bookended college football bowl season. I know Alex wanted to move on from college football bowl season. You will never move me on from college football bowl season because I think it's the most magical and wonderful time of the year. You Love obviously it. covered the you covered the Cotton Bowl. We've talked about the Duke's Mayo Bowl as well a little bit. What was your favourite bowl game of the 2021 bowl season? 
So I think it was actually the other bowl that I covered was the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl, um, which, which had so many wild hijinks in it. I don't even know if we'll ever be able to do that again. I mean, we, we, the whole time we were like, are we, are we allowed to do this? And, and it was totally dictated by what Jimmy Kimmel and, and his people wanted to do. But I mean, they had that Jimmy Kimmel mascot. I don't know if you guys saw that thing. It's, it's whole thing is that it, it throws up this green slime and I, it was just bizarre. There, there was that. And there were all these funny things. Like he has that feud with Matt Damon. So every single urinal had Matt Damon's face in it. <laughs> and the little urinal cake thing. I mean, the jokes just went on and on and on. Um, and, and it was a great game uh, between Oregon state and Utah state and a, a huge win uh, for Utah State so I I would say that that one of all the wild things we, we ate a roast beef sandwich on TV and I dripped it all down my jacket and I mean there were just it was one thing after another in that game so I would pick that one as probably my favorite because you guys know I love all the weird stuff and, and that one was definitely quite weird. Was, um, my, my favorite quote of the season Laura was the fact that you said that You'd managed to escape the camel vomit, but the roast beef sandwich had got you. So difficult. I even had a jacket. I had another jacket that I brought for the camel in case it in case it got on me. And then I thought, well, now I'm home free, so I'll just put my nicer one on. And sure enough, I bloop roast beef juice all down the front. It was insane. So bad. I still haven't got that jacket cleaned. I need to. I need to get on that. <laughs> It's like marinating in a closet. <laughs> I mean, I could I could sit and talk random, crazy college football stories forever, literally forever. But there is a game that we've got to get to because, you know, otherwise people will just stop listening if I keep going on about these crazy college football stories. Two teams that faced each other already. But that was a month ago. Things have changed. Injuries to, to Bama. Georgia probably getting healthier over the last month. Can Alabama do it again? Mm, this one's this is so fascinating. I realize there are people out there that are like, oh, we don't want to see these two teams again, but I think this game's going to be great. And I think at the end of the day, as college football fans, we want to see the best play the best, right? Um, Alabama can absolutely do it again. You bring up a really great point in, in the sense that Without John Mechie, I don't know that they had an offense diverse enough early on against Georgia to do what they did. I mean, what Mechie does obviously opened up things for Jamison Williams to have success against Georgia. And I don't think Georgia's going to be shell-shocked this time. Their defense is still disappointed by the way that they played in that SEC championship game, despite the way they dominated Michigan. They're going to have a ton to prove. It's Bama. They want to come out there and revenge uh, and avenge that loss. And, and I think that Georgia has figured a lot out about Alabama. I mean, the interesting thing is that Brian Robinson was not healthy in that SEC championship game. He was maybe 80%, maybe a little less, to be totally honest. He was unbelievable against Cincinnati. Some of that's the way that Cincinnati obviously couldn't stop the run. Um, and, and that 3-3 stack defense didn't set them up well to stop the run, which Alabama continued to stay patient and exploit that matchup. 
but still I, I, you know, you think about running on that Georgia defense and it's like, is it even possible? So that's a, that's a, to me, a unique matchup that, that I don't know how it will go until we see early on in the game, but I, I think Bama's going to try to run it again and um, really ride the hot hand and Brian Robinson. It won't be that long since he did what he did. So Yes, they can win it again, but I see why Georgia is the slight favorite in this one. That kind of leads us nicely, Laura, onto your um, prediction for the for the, the result and the and the score. I'm going to ask you for that. Um, but before we get into that, do you think this will be a a closer game than the SEC championship game? I absolutely do. Um, you know, we actually saw it was interesting because. Bama ran the ball so well against Cincinnati. Bryce Young never got in a consistent rhythm. He made some nice throws, no doubt. But you could tell he missed John Mechie. You could tell even as they were having success offensively, because it was so based in the run game, Young was sort of out of rhythm. And there, there's probably some things on tape defensively from Cincinnati that Georgia can take away too, in addition to plans they'll already have. Um so I think it'll be much closer, you know, for me too, a lot of people blame Stetson Bennett for the SEC championship. Wasn't Stetson Bennett's fault entirely. Yes. He made a couple of mistakes, but none of them were that severe. And I think he can gain a lot of confidence from sort of knowing that from, from that game. And then also knowing what he did against a Michigan team that's really talented and, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and all these guys on that Michigan defense. So I expect it to be much closer, much more competitive I think Kirby's smart too. I mean, there's such a dynamic between Kirby and coach Saban and they actually really like each other um, and know each other very well. They're similar minded in a lot of ways. I don't know that coach smart has ever been on a level playing field in, in coaching against coach Saban. And what, by that, I mean, he sort of gets in his head with it. I don't think he's going to do that this time. It's, it's almost like a second chance in so many ways here, you know, go out and, and actually coach this game as if it's not Alabama, as if it's not Nick Saban on the other side. You certainly respect him, but now maybe you've proven something and you've got to take this opportunity by the horns and not squander it. And that's a good point because how often do you get the opportunity to, to avenge a defeat so quickly after you know, playing most lightly, you have to wait until the next season to play the game. Even and that's if you're playing that team again next next year. Um, the fact that they've you know got a little over four weeks and then they're able to you know plan it and and come back at it again. I mean, surely that feels as if that gives Georgia the the opportunity for revenge, which is always a good motivation to 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 play the game. Totally. And, you know, as you're saying that, too, from the timing standpoint, I think there's a couple of things that Alabama can still pull out of their sleeve in a way. You know, we thought with Mechie out, we were we were told all week Billingsley's had a great practice and Jalil Billingsley and Nick Saban's back and forth throughout the season has been well documented. He's been disappointed in Billingsley. Could he step up? Well, we didn't really see that, but they didn't have to do it because they ran the ball so well. There's even guys that you're, you you haven't even heard of. This guy, Ajayi Hall, who's a freshman who I'm telling you right now could walk out on an NFL field as a wide receiver and you would say, that guy looks like an NFL receiver. He looks like Julio Jones and then some. 
but he's young. He's raw, right? It, George is not going to be preparing for him. I, I think there, I think there's an interesting dynamic there where Bama didn't have to show necessarily its replacement offense for John Mechie against Cincinnati because they ran the ball so well. George is going to be wondering about that. More of George's cards are on the table, but they're great cards to have. They're cards that, you know, really in all reality, they're a better team than Alabama. And Alabama knows that. Georgia also knows that. It's just a matter of executing when it matters most. I think the uh, the name Jaleel Billingsley, that's a really interesting name to bring up because um, I study Coach Saban a lot over the past few months. He's been one of the coaches I've been working on uh, studying for my own coaching roles. And I read one of his books recently and the fact that him and, and Jaleel they haven't necessarily seen eye to eye this year, there's been a lot of that back and forth in the media, lots of challenging, you know, it, it's come across sometimes like Jaleel Billingsley has pissed off Coach Saban. But if Coach Saban thinks Jaleel Billingsley can help Alabama win the game, win the national championship game, he will play and he will feature Jaleel Billingsley. <laughs> right. I, I think that's what a lot of fans don't quite understand about these great coaches is that, yeah, there's a bit of ego in Coach Saban because you don't get to be that successful without having that self-belief that is driven a little bit by a little bit of ego. But he will know when to put it aside to win if, okay. if that is what's going to work. Yeah. And by the way, Jaleel Billingsley is a matchup nightmare. Mm. So to your point, like, there you go. He's a matchup nightmare against anybody. And, and the tight end, I mean, we did see Cameron Latu a little bit more involved too, but to have both of those weapons at tight end, it, that, that is one clear advantage. If you're looking at, you know, position group matchups and, and who has an advantage position group wise, Alabama does have an advantage over Georgia, even without John Mechie, uh, even with Pickens healthier, you know, the weapons that Bryce Young is dealing with, as opposed to the ones that Stetson Bennett is dealing with are, are totally different, different styles of offense though. So it's not totally even, but um, you're right. He will absolutely use Billingsley if he needs to. And, and I guess one of the things that we saw in the regular season was that Alabama used Cameron Latu to create effect not quite so much in the SEC championship game and not quite as much in the Cincinnati game. So the, the, the question is, does he, I mean, I'm sure they do trust him, but, um, you know, does Billingsley come back in and, you know, perform in the, in the championship game? He's performing big games really well too. And I think that's why, I mean, you look at last season and you say, surely this guy is going to come out and be, one of the most dominant players for this Alabama offense. And, and there's been a disconnect. And to Alex's point, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with really a disconnect with Saban and the way he was being coached. And, um, and then Saban, you know, not feeling like he was living up to the standards that were necessary. And so uh, all that becomes erased the second that he comes out there and has a big game in the national championship. And, and that, that's where I think, you know, Bama is interesting because, they do have a few more tricks up their sleeve. It's not that Georgia doesn't. Georgia almost doesn't need to have tricks up their sleeve because they are the better team and they've been the better team all season long. They've been by far the more dominant team. Right, Laura, um, professional reputation on the line. Who's going to win it and what's the score going to be? Uh, it's so hard for me because I, my gut tells me that, no, my brain tells me that Georgia is going to win. 
but I still can't pick against Bama in a game like this. I, I think it's going to be incredibly close. I think Bama wins it by three points. Um, I'm going to say I would not be shocked if this game goes into overtime. Bama's been in an overtime fight before this season. Uh, they've been in these really close games and been able to pull them out. And I think ultimately, more than anything, that's what matters for Bama. So I will say, let's say 34-31 Bama wins. And by the way, Reese has already picked this game. Not going to say one way or the other. Um, so I, I do have an indicator from somebody else been very right. And you guys just have to wait and see who she picks because it, it may not be that I pick the same team as her. You've been, you've been swayed by someone who's got a, a ridiculous track record. And also wears a diaper. <laughs> I don't know who that makes, you know, seem more stupid, us. I saw everyone else was was worse. The fact that uh, you know she's so good at picking them, or the fact that we aren't—it's so nuts. You, I, I honestly, I'm like shocked by her. It's bizarre. She picked Bama, you know, in the upset against Georgia, and I, I was legitimately in the SEC championship game. I was trying to put the Georgia helmet like closer to her a little bit to be like pick that one, you know, and I try to never sway, but I was like, I think, you know, the Georgia's going to win and she would not pick the, the Georgia helmet. And I thought, all right, girl, you know, whatever, you're probably wrong, but it's fine. And sure enough, here I am. <laughs> all I can say is I hope that but as soon as she picks a helmet, somebody in your family's off to the, you know, the sports book and sticking some money on it. Cause it's, it, the first couple of weeks, it was like, "Oh, this is really, this is really cute. This is quite funny, right?" She's picking right. the right ones, and then by the time you get to over halfway through, and and she's picked virtually all of them, it was getting pretty scary. I have to say, like she's starting to freak me out. <laughs> so one thing I'm really interested in, I know we've got a guest on, but this is a, a chaps conversation that needs to be had at the minute. George, you're an Alabama fan. But you also just started writing for Dawn of the Dog, mm -hmm. fan side of the blog. I want yeah. to know who you think is going to win. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, 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 there's been a recurring theme to this pod. Uh, uh, Laura, we've had a couple of other guests on because, as you know, this is our, our 100th pod. Um, and um, the recurring theme is that no one has been willing to bet against Nick Saban. And, and I think that's... Um, that is probably Reese's methodology, if you were to ask her, if she was going to share it with you. Um, um, and that's my methodology, which is um, there's a lot of reasons why Georgia should win this game. But can you really bet against Nick Saban? So I think Nick, I think Alabama are going to squeak it in, as Laura says, an overtime game. I think it's going to hark back to 2017. It's all right. We won't drop the clip of that. Right into the middle of all the Georgia fan groups for you. You will. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you will. Know They're you will. so, you know, Georgia is like, seriously, Bama again. Are you guys serious? Like, why? Why do we have to keep seeing them? Poor Georgia fan. I honestly, they, they totally can win the national championship. I, I honestly feel bad for the anxiety of Georgia fans right now. It's such a <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's going to get. Going to get it's going to well if they if they lose it's going to get a whole lot a whole lot worse. Um, this is the this is the point in the podcast where we normally ask our 
our guests what they're going to be up to and um, what we can watch out for. But but we've asked our guests what they're going to be doing on game day, where they're going to be um, and how they're going to watch the game. Um, and I'm intrigued to know whether you're going to be in Indianapolis. I will be there. Um, so I'm, I'm heading tomorrow to Denver to do the NFL game uh, between the Broncos and the Chiefs. So I'll go do that game and then fly from there to Indy in time for the national championship game. So I'll be doing my, my regular duties in Indy and it's supposed to be so cold. You guys, I don't even, thankfully we're not outside, but I, I looked at the weather and I thought I'm not really prepared for that. I mean, I live up North now and it's, it's very cold in Connecticut, but this is like in the, the ones and the twos. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so I, I'll do that. And then uh, I'll fly back uh, next Tuesday morning and head right to the studio for NFL Live. And then we're off to the races toward the Super <laughs> The fun never stops. Um, that's all from us. Um, if you're a regular listener, you know we've had an incredible run of guests in the pod. So if you'd like what we, you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. Um, Laura, it's great to have you back on. Um, uh, we, we really do enjoy when you when you come. We've had the privilege to speak to you a couple of times in quick succession. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter account is at College Chat, so please give us a follow. Uh, thanks again to all our guests, Laura, Chris, Mello, Alex, and Ollie for the brilliant input. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and well and catch you all next time.